0: Hello, this is the Shep for Libraries podcast brought to you by CTSR 88.5 FM, coming to you live upon 36 6 territory in Empton, Alberta, Canada. I'm your host, Jeremy Wilson. On the program today, Christina is interviewing Eric August, a director on the Empton Tool Library. Staffed entirely by volunteers both from and not from a librarian background, the ETL is a nonprofit organization one of many alternative libraries dedicated to lending out everything from screwdrivers to miter saws to the public. After that, I have some news from our co-host, Paula, about an upcoming conference of information professionals. But first of all, take it away, Christina.
1: Hey there, this is Christina Harback. I'm coming from Treaty 6 Territory, and today I'm speaking to Eric August, who is a representative of the Edmonton Tool Library. Hi, Eric. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Christina. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much for agreeing to speak with us. We're so excited to hear more about a library that doesn't necessarily have books.
2: Awesome, awesome. So
1: first to get started, what is, your, what is the Edmonton Tool Library and what is your role there?
2: Okay, well, the Edmonton Tool Library at the moment, we are a physical space. Uh, we are in the Bellevue Community League. Uh, we are in the back, that's on uh, 112 Avenue. Uh, we're 7308 112 Avenue, we're around the back. Uh, We are a small space and uh, we have an inventory of tools that we've procured over time and we have organized into a library. Well, my role, I'm on the board of directors, so obviously I have uh, board of director duties. Um, I'm also on a subcommittee, I'm on the operations committee, and right now we're undertaking currently um, an inventory project because... uh, Uh, you know we've we've halted donations for the time being just uh just so that we can get our head around all that we have in the in the library so that's uh that would be my role right now and um i volunteer right uh working at the front desk uh at least once a month
1: that's excellent it sounds like an awesome problem to have if i might say to have a lot of inventory
2: Um, it is, it is, but, uh, I mean, in our, um, in our world and what we do, uh, the problem is, I mean, what, what are the most common tools? I mean, when you really think about it, what do most people have in their homes in terms of tools? And those are hammers and screwdrivers. Mm. And we have a lot of those. (laughs) Uh, in fact, uh, we, we actually give those away.
1: Wow. Yeah. So those are pretty common things, but maybe there are items that might be more specific that perhaps you're looking for.
2: Yes, definitely. Uh, We cannot keep miter saws. We love miter saws. We have about nine of them uh, and they go like um, yard care equipment, leaf blowers, things like that um drills of any kind uh we don't have a lot of concrete drills so definitely we'd be looking for a little more concrete stuff uh but we're looking stuff of a little more value just that you know I mean we just can't have all hammers and screwdrivers right and saws
1: absolutely it kind of reminds me of a what you'd say like a traditional library when they have a hundred copies of a book that was popular 10 years ago. and no one no one really wants it now, but that you know that new bestseller has a wait list of hundreds of people because it's it's the thing that people really need and they really want.
2: Of course, of course.
1: So I'm curious. I've never personally used the tool library. But I'm sure there are a lot of people who are coming to you looking for these specific tools, like you're saying. What are the main motivations for the folks that come through, especially working the front desk? What kinds of reasons do you hear them um, maybe saying for why they're taking advantage of the tool library?
2: For sure, for sure. Um, Well, for the most part, it is a home improvement project. Um, I mean, we even do, I've even done brainstorming with people onto... uh, you know, ideas for what they could do with, uh, with this and that. and uh, But for the most part, it is uh, home improvement, yard care. We've had a few for automotive. We have some ramps uh, that you can kind of prop your car up onto and some uh, jacks as well. So a little bit of automotive, but uh, for the most part, it's just been people doing small home improvement projects or just a small fix it up project or things like to that nature.
1: So it's not necessarily contractors who do this for a living who might, you know, otherwise have all of these items.
2: Yes, yeah, we uh, we we try to discourage the the contractors from coming that uh, we we like it to be individuals who are looking to do a just to do it yourself project.
1: And I'm not super familiar with some of the tools that uh, might be in demand or that you might have in your library. What does the price range look like for a lot of these? Are these items that are, you know, accessible to the the everyday man if he were to go to the hardware store?
2: Um, they would be. Uh, but I mean, for example, I just talked about a miter saw. Like I'm I'm just looking at um I just threw it into Google. I've got my laptop in front of me. Um anywhere from, you know, a Domestic, I mean, a store brand, Home Depot, almost $200 for a miter saw. All, I'm seeing just a few selections going up to 320 and that's on Amazon. So obviously that's within someone's budget. But I mean, if you need something just like that for a week, uh, $300, I mean, I don't know about you, Christina, but I, I don't have $300 just to uh, put into something I'm going to use for a week
1: absolutely not and a lot of these renovation projects I imagine are kind of you want to do it and finish it and not have to worry about it for many many years is that kind of the the types of people and their projects that they're looking at it's kind of one and done
2: um yeah or they're in a rental or they're they've purchased an older home we are in uh, we are in an older neighborhood of of Edmonton so we do get people in who have purchased a an older home so they're looking to fix it up um, I mean even we've had people come in there just looking to hang pictures um, one guy wanted to uh, was working on uh, an art project of, uh, of some kind um, so he came in he was looking to build a frame so um, really it's it's all over the place really
1: that's very cool that there's a, you know, a wide demographic of people and reasons that that are coming in. You know, we think about libraries often as like, you know, it's a free resource. It's it's an option that you have if you don't want to spend all that money. But I'm also thinking about, you're mentioning folks who might live in an apartment. I imagine some of these tools can end up just taking a lot of space. Maybe they use a lot of power. What does that side of having a tool library or having tools available look like
2: okay well yeah I mean uh, tools do take up a lot of space um, I personally actually used to uh, run a tool warehouse uh, for a general contractor here in town and uh, I mean it was just acres of of tools and and things so someone living in an apartment I mean a miter saw for example I keep picking on the miter saw but <laughs> it, it is fairly takes up quite a bit of room it's not a stackable thing so it would need to be put up high on a shelf or it would need some shelf space or a dedicated a dedicated spot um i mean i you know have lived in apartments and yeah it, it i in fact i i flipped an an entire two-bedroom condo once and uh yeah like i i had no room really it was uh when the job was done i had to sell off all the tools I i bought for to do the job really, because there there was no room. So I think something like this in the in, a, in someone in an apartment is perfect. I mean, particularly if uh, uh, you are living in a you know a soapbox, so to speak.
1: And I know there's a a trend that's been around for quite a while now about minimalism and not having stuff that you don't necessarily need. So it sounds like the Edmonton Tool Library is kind of solving that niche as well so that people don't have to have this burden of having something and then like you say trying to sell it off or get rid of it at the end of a job
2: yeah exactly um oh definitely there the the, the there definitely is is a need uh um you know for that for sure
1: so I'm also thinking about the tool library as perhaps part of the sharing economy. Um, it seems like you're looking for donations of folks who might have these kinds of things. Do you think the Edmonton Tool Library has a place in a sharing economy and kind of scaling that up so that we don't have a thousand hammers <laughs> circulating or or miter saws in high demand and not enough, um, not enough people owning them?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think we, we we play a role in shaping um, the the sharing economy. I mean, you know, you're right with the, with the trend. I mean, people really want to use things. They don't necessarily want to own things. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad shift in thinking, per se, because, I mean, let's face it, resources in our world are finite. Um, why not? Why can't we have... I'm going to say it again, a miter saw that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 300 people in Edmonton get a chance to use, uh, instead of 300 people having to buy miter saws. I mean, in, in, you know, we kind of have to, with the sharing economy, uh, you know, there, there is those, those opportunities to, to, to kind of, you know, I mean, I, it was kind of interesting. I was looking at like, uh, you know, businesses in the sharing economy and I guess I didn't realize that eBay was kind of one of the first into that space in, in terms of the internet. So it's kind of interesting too. So uh, I think definitely by keeping what we're doing and but expanding it and trying to push for, you know, public policy that would benefit us. And, uh, you know, I think there's there's a huge need for, for social sharing. Obviously, as you're talking about minimalism, people are going back to that. And we, I, you know, personally, I do think we definitely need to rethink our economy. Uh, we can't have that sort of linear of, you know, um, take, make and and get rid of kind of thing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious if you know of any other tool libraries in the, even in the prairies, or any other kinds of library projects that are like this, that are looking at maybe tools or home goods or just non-traditional things that you would assume would be part of a library?
2: Okay, well, there actually is an international organization of tool libraries. There, I do believe there is one in Calgary. I've connected one with one in uh, Milwaukee. Um, so there, they are around. There was one in St. Albert, but uh, it just didn't quite get off the ground. Um so yeah, that's uh and uh in terms of other libraries, I, I did hear of a um a toy library idea being batted around. I don't know how far along it went, but uh and I also heard about uh a seed library as well, but I really don't have a whole lot of information about that either.
1: So I guess the Edmonton Tool library is really filling that need in our immediate area then
2: yes definitely definitely Well, we're filling it I would say you know we're trying to our best I mean we are just one location I mean there has been sort of the talk of expanding and then even utilizing some of our own library system we have here in Edmonton that maybe we could do some do-it-yourself demonstrations things like that to just sort of get the word out and, and get people out doing these do-it-yourself projects, because why not? You don't have to spend all this money on tools. You can come see us and uh, we'll help you out, you know?
1: You know, you're saying something too that I think is, is really excellent. It's not just the tools that you're lending, but it sounds like there's a lot of knowledge and advice and just care that the board members and volunteers are putting into each interaction with folks who are coming through.
2: Absolutely, absolutely We get we got asked questions all the time. and we love people I mean who know a bit about a construction, um, interior design even uh, we've had some of those kind of questions and uh, uh, just a plug. I mean uh, we're really looking for someone to tinker with the tools, someone who can fix them up, uh, particularly the power tools because uh, you know a lot of us don't really have that that training and, and that expertise so, Uh, and we're always looking for volunteers. We are open uh, two days a week, uh, Wednesdays and um, Saturdays. And uh, so, yeah, we're always looking for volunteers to fill those shifts six to eight on Wednesday and 11 AM to 1 PM on Saturday.
1: That's excellent. It sounds like a great opportunity to learn more about tools and also be involved in the community in a really positive
2: way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a great time too. I mean, you know, we it's uh people come in and you know, I mean, I even found we had uh gold panning pans uh in the library uh, last time I was in there. And I was like, Well, wow, someone wants to go gold panning in the North Saskatchewan, uh, you, you come on down and see us.
1: That is amazing. Are they
2: are they like new gold panning pans or are they vintage? Uh no, they're new. Actually, they they do sell them at hardware stores here in, in town. They're they're made of plastic. So yeah, uh, it is it is a thing. I've actually, I have spoken to someone gold panning down by the Devon Bridge there once, uh, about three four, it was just a bit before the pandemic started.
1: Wow, I had no idea that was still happening. This is such a cool way, yeah, to even be, you know, maybe going into the tool library looking for one specific thing, but suddenly being exposed to a potential new hobby. How cool is that?
2: That is really cool. And that I think that's what I love about our space the most is uh, just you never know what you're gonna find, you never know what's gonna show up, but you never know who's gonna show up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a really great way to you know be part of a community and expand beyond just doing doing something for a weekend, hanging that photo frame, but really learning more and getting involved. How many people do you think come through or borrow tools um, on average, maybe in a month at the Edmonton tool library.
2: Okay, um, usually when I'm on on the, de- the tool desk, we usually have about, about five or six returns a night. Uh, I usually do a Wednesday shift um, and maybe about five or six new people coming in. So I, I think we're almost, uh, I'm gonna say probably about 30 to 40 maybe, Per month, in the summer, we, we increase uh, maybe 70 people a month are using us.
1: So it's a significant amount of people, especially for such, you know, you're small but mighty. <laughs> you have one location, but you have a lot of people utilizing you.
2: Yes, yeah. And I mean, that's why we'd, we'd love to expand. Uh, I mean, we'd love to have more volunteers be able to be open more hours. Um, I mean, if uh, finding people who can, you know, fix and repair tools and, I mean, even finding people who maybe want to start a tool library on their own in their community.
1: Eric, I'm curious if you and the board talk about sustainability as part of your practice and your goals in terms of expanding the tool library and the types of programs that you're doing. Is that a big part of the discussion right now?
2: It definitely would be, and it is uh, rather. Uh, uh, we talk about sustainability. I mean, we we really need to think uh, of you know you know wants and needs as opposed to I mean you know some tools we'd love to have but I mean is anybody ever going to come in and, and and get them They're just going to be sort of an expensive expensive paperweight So we need we need to think about a sustainability when you know what we don't want we want to avoid is if say we are expanding we don't want to end up with just a a room full of hammers and screwdrivers and saws Right We so I guess the sustainability model needs to be there. That we have the right tools mm-hmm. uh, for people's needs, uh, not necessarily just tools in general. There, 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 does there definitely needs to be a blueprint in in that. So, in that regard, we there does need to be some sustainability. And we only have so much space, mm-hmm. and and we we have and we're a non non uh, non profit, so we just uh, we don't have money. So we, we need to. To think within the, our limitations mm-hmm.
1: if there are certain tools that you want but maybe um people don't have it to donate or it's rarer do you accept monetary donations to put towards those purchases that would be really helpful in the inventory
2: in fact actually we encourage monetary uh, donations. Um, more so than, uh, than equipment, because uh, that way we can, uh, we can plan our inventory a little better. We have a little more control over what comes in. Uh, we can buy things that are in demand necessarily. We do try and put out feelers for, for things that we're getting a lot of requests for, but at the end of the day, ultimately, um, cash works uh, uh, monetary donations are, are far better for, from our point of view, for our sustainability and our our need, makes but,
1: perfect sense.
2: But we wouldn't we wouldn't we don't turn down a whole lot of donations. Although we we have paused for now, just so that until we get our inventory sorted. But definitely we'll be we'll be starting donations again very soon.
1: Mm-hmm. If there's one thing you could tell people who have no idea what a tool library is they they've never heard of you if you could tell them one thing um, about the Edmonton Tool Library to make it you know stick out or make it uh, memorable what would you say?
2: Um, It's free to just come on in and check us out and uh, we've got great energy.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Free is such a great word because people are automatically peaked right something that maybe seemed inaccessible or not worth their time or money suddenly the possibilities are endless
2: exactly
1: excellent eric i think that's all i have for you tonight um thank you so much for joining me and are there any social medias events projects upcoming that you want to plug further
2: uh well of course uh follow us on uh Facebook, Edmonton Tool Library, our website edmontontoolibrary.com. Um we were on Twitter and I guess Instagram too, so we're on all social platforms. We are in the Bellevue Community League that's on 112th Avenue and uh, we're there Wednesdays 6 to 8 and Saturday 11 to 1.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much Eric and we hope everyone will check out the Edmonton Tool Library when they're working on their next project.
2: We'll be looking forward to seeing you.
0: Thanks, Christina and Eric. As mentioned at the top of the episode, I am also here to give a quick announcement for the Forum for Information Professionals. FIP, as it is known, is a one-day academic conference organized and run by students in the School of Library and Information Studies at the University of Alberta. This year's conference takes place on February 17th with the theme of LAS and the Climate Crisis, Transforming Talk into Action. FIP's keynote speaker is Dr. Lois M. Evans, a UBC Sessional Lecturer, Public and Sustainability Scholar, whose research focuses on reducing digital stores of records, data, and information to mitigate climate impacts. The other presenters are all current students in the School of Library and Information Studies who will showcase their research. The conversation is place via Zoom and is free to attend. If you'd like to register, send an email to FIP at uoberta.ca, all lowercase, to receive the registration link. For more information, you can check out FIP's website, fipconference.wordpress.com, again, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning in. Next episode, we hope to bring you more information about the latest discussions about librarianship and the environment. In the meanwhile, if you want to have a re-listen to this episode or our 50-episode backlog, take a look at Libraries.Transistor.fm or wherever you get your podcasts and have a listen. See you around.